And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 25 The door to the back room opened and Mickey Fetz walked in. At least, I assumed it was Fetz. He was just as I had pictured him when we spoke on the phone. He was thin to the point of being wiry and he fidgeted constantly, as if he didn't sit right in his own skin. The skin itself had that gray pallor that it often took on after a long stretch inside, but Freddy hadn't mentioned anything about Fetz being a jailbird, and Freddy usually would. To most of the criminal underclass, an occasional stretch of hospitality of the state was just an occupational hazard. My old pal Freddy the Finger, on the other hand, regarded such a thing as pure voodoo. Bad luck, which tended to be contagious when you had an ex-con around. He worked with them, of course. Swimmers in the shallow end of the talent pool didn't always get to pick and choose their playmates. But he would always know which ones they were, and made sure not to get too close to them. If a man got caught once, Freddy reasoned, he's a bad risk to repeat. But Freddy hadn't pegged Mickey Fetz as a con, which meant either Freddy didn't know, or Fetz picked up his clammy, corpse-like appearance by other means. I watched him fidget as he made his way over to Trixie and I. Maybe a hophead. I trust those even less than cons. Freddy had got the word out for us that we were looking for whoever might have taken over Jimmy Lish's casebook. He had done it fast and on the sly, and taken a certain amount of risk doing so. All the same, after setting up the meeting with Fetz, Freddy advised me that he'd be out of town for a couple of weeks, just in case word should get to Mr. Rossetti, who in some way might misinterpret the request. Freddy was not particularly valiant, and with guys like Al Rossetti, that was a pretty healthy approach. The back room at the Green Stripe had been Fetz's call. It was surprisingly large for the management to allow it to be used for a small private party like this, but it was still early in the day, and my guess was they knew Fetz here. About ten feet away from the table where the girl detective and I sat, Mickey Fetz took on a different manner. He smiled, and it seemed to spread throughout his whole person, like an oil slick on top of water. His hesitant, squirrel-like manner softened into a smooth approach full of self-confidence. It was a hell of an act, and I might have bought it if he had turned it on before he walked into the room. We didn't stand as he approached. He licked his lips before he spoke, like a lizard. Mr. Dutton, he asked. I nodded. He sat. It's interesting, he said. There is no Harold Dutton in the city directory. Who says I'm from the city, I said. Fetz shrugged and smiled. He made an extravagant little gesture with his left hand, as if sweeping the matter of my mysterious identity away. If you knew something was fishy, Trixie said, why did you come? Fetz leaned back in his chair and considered Trixie as though he was having trouble focusing on her. Sweetie, in my business, everyone and everything is fishy. I still have got to eat. He lit a cigarette delicately and smiled. He looked from Trixie to me and back again. So, he said, a smile quivering about his lips, which he licked again. You two had business with Jimmy? I nodded. He didn't have pictures of either of you, Fetz said. I've been through his stock very carefully, and I think I would remember. It could have been my imagination, but that seemed to be a little more directed towards me than it was to Trixie. How well did you know Jimmy Lish? I asked. Fetz shrugged. Well enough, he smiled. Guys in my line of work don't make a lot of friends, but Jimmy was a solid guy. It's a damn shame what happened to him. What did happen to him, asked Trixie, as if she didn't know. Fetz licked his lips again and twisted his neck as if stretching it, never taking his eyes off of us as he did so. What can I say, he asked. It seems that Jimmy had a dissatisfied customer. 
one that wasn't bright enough to realize there wasn't anything important in his shop. I hear some stuff was stolen, I said plainly. Fett snorted. Sure, he said. I hear that too. But there wasn't anything in the files that could have been important to you. Unless you'd done some work with Jimmy for the skin mags, but you don't strike me as the type. Fetz grinned. That one was definitely to me. That's how we met, Jimmy and me. He was just getting started then, and I showed him the ropes. Showed him how he could use that camera of his to make some real money. But Jimmy loved the dance. He loved girls. Loved luring them in under the pretense of art shots. Loved convincing them to do a little more, and then a little more until he had seen it all. But it's a labor-intensive process. If you figure it out, the hourly rate is pathetic. Gosh, Trixie said, that's a shame. Don't be like that, Fetz scolded. They have their fun too. Besides, I bet my last dollar you weren't one of them. Why is that, Trixie asked. Fetz beamed a wise and beneficent smile at Trixie. Ah, he said, licking his lips again. That would be telling. My guess was that Lish liked his girls young and farm fresh, and then he broke them. Trixie was neither farm fresh nor broken. I didn't feel like saying so any more than Mickey Fetz did. Did you know Janet Timms, I asked, returning the conversation to something I cared about? Janet, Fetz was contemptuous, sure. Jimmy did some work with her, a little photography, but then he brought her into the real work. She was swell bait. He made some real good money, and then he made the mistake of falling for her. What a maroon. It was real mockery in Fetz's voice, as if falling for Janet Timms was the most absurd thing he could imagine. You don't think she was worth it, I asked. You don't take your own bait, Fetz hissed. It isn't done. That one cost Jimmy a lot of grief, but in the end he couldn't betray his nature. He kept all of his hobbies, and Janet didn't like him playing with others, so it ended. They're still friendly, I guess. A thought occurred to him. You two aren't from Janet, are you? What if we are, I said. Forget it, Fetz said with a smile and a shake of his head. Stupid question. Janet knew that Jimmy and I had an understanding about our caseloads. If she had any expectations about their last job, she'd have come right to me. What would you have told her, Trixie asked. I would have told her that any deal she had with Jimmy died with him, Fetz said, the smile fading and the twitches starting to return. He stroked his left eyebrow delicately as if calming himself. I'd have given her the same rate I pay to any bait I use. And if she didn't like it, she could go to hell. And if you are from her, you can tell her that yourselves. Janet Timms is dead, I said, breaking up his rhythm. Dead? Fetz was quiet. When? A couple of days, I said. I didn't hear anything, Fetz protested. It's being kept quiet, Trixie said. By who? Fetz was getting angry, like we were pulling his leg. By the same people who did the killing, I said. The same people that killed Jimmy Lish. I wouldn't have thought Fetz could turn more gray, but he did. Who? He said at last. Rosetti, I said. Fetz looked from me to Trixie to me again. He looked like he was going to have an accident. We aren't from Rosetti either, Trixie said, sensing the same thing. No, I said, but it's just a matter of time. That stupid little tramp, Fetz cursed, almost at a whisper. There were tears in his eyes and it looked like he might break down entirely. That stupid, stupid little tramp. Tim's, I asked. Fetz nodded. I've been trying to figure out what it was that made this Mayfield guy such a big deal. Jimmy was sure it was a big one. The score to end them all. Jimmy was getting too big for his britches, Trixie said. No, Fetz protested. No, Jimmy would never have done something stupid like try and hit up Big Al. As far as he was concerned, Mayfield was the mark. And where did he figure the money was coming from, I asked. He didn't ask, Fetz spat. Janet brought the job to him, cut him in. She'd done all the setup already. Jimmy was excited. He was happy to be working with her again. He was proud that she showed the initiative, all that crap. 
Why would he go into something like this without knowing the whole shot, Trixie asked. What was to know? Fetz practically shrieked. Hey, pal, pay up or Mrs. Mayfield gets the whole photographic essay. That's the job. But he was so soft on that broad. Still, after everything, soft on her. Said she was like candy. Once you'd had a taste, you'd always want it again. And besides, they made big money together. Not big enough, I guess, Trixie said. That stupid little tramp, Fetz cursed again. And who else is stupid, Fetz, I asked. You get word through the grapevine that somebody wants a meet with whoever owns Jimmy Lish's back catalog, and you set this up in an hour. You walk in here knowing damn well that you've got a phony name and not much else. How many other people know about you and Jimmy, Fetz? Oh, Jesus Christ, he wailed softly, the tears starting to flow. None of that, I snapped. There isn't time. That stupid little tramp, he practically whispered. The way I figure it is this, I said. Whoever killed Lish took everything they could find in his files on Janet Timms. Walked out with a box full of prints. Sooner or later, Rossetti goes through it to make sure that his boys got the Mayfield pictures, and when he finds out they didn't, he does just exactly what we did. He puts out the word, and it leads him to you. We want everything on the Mayfield job, Trixie said. All of it. Why should I? Fetz whimpered. Because if you don't give it to me, I said, I'll make nice with Big Al by calling him and telling him that you've got it. Fetz stared at me wildly with empty, panicked eyes. What if I do the same to you, Fetz said, after I give you the pictures? I shrugged. Good luck with that, Mickey, I said. Now get on your feet. So, do you like comedy? If you do, then Friday Follies might be just the feed for you. From the Mutual Audio Network, every Friday we bring you a selection of hilarious audio drama. And you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Just search for Friday Follies, or you could subscribe to the main Mutual Audio Network feed. It's up to you. Find us there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.